What is up, Internet? Welcome to Self-Defense from All Angles, Season 2, Episode 9. This episode is another one of those episodes where I was searching for a guest for a very long time. You'll hear me talk about it in the show where I wanted to have a conversation with somebody who is specifically in the field because in this field, while I grew up around the subject, which is dogs and dog training, I'm not actually a certified trainer anyway. So I wanted to bring in a dog trainer to help me bust one of the myths that I talk about when it comes to self-defense. In my course, The Six Biggest Myths in Self-Defense, part of the book, part of everything that's coming out, one of the things we talk about is outsourcing and how people outsource their safety to other things, police, weapons, and sometimes just dogs. And I keep having the same conversation over and over and over again with people about how if your dog is not trained, they're unpredictable, you don't know what they're going to do. And I always hear, yes, but I got the dog, and trust me, my dog is different. So finally, I got somebody on the show to talk about this, and man, I could not have found a better guest. Jessica is so articulate in this field. She's been doing dog training and behavioral training for over 20 years, and she just drops a bunch of knowledge on us when it comes to dog training and dogs for self-protection. And of course, as always, we get a little bit into the weeds, talk about behaviorism and how human training and dog training, pretty similar. So check out the episode. I really hope you enjoyed. And don't forget, if you're looking for anything self-defense, self-protection related or workplace violence adjacent, feel free to get a hold of us at www.randykinglive.com. Let's get to the show. We did it. We finally got a dog trainer on the show. Thank you so much, everybody, for the support you had on social media. As I've been asking for this for, it's got to be two months now, and we just couldn't find anybody. But we got Jessica on the show. Jessica, welcome. Hi. Sorry. Sorry, I've got an unusual one for you because I have dabbled in protection for about 10 years with dogs, but I predominantly work with pet dogs that have turned aggressive and yeah that's my main area and uh, I'm not a huge fan of normal people doing protection work so your protection trainers are all like everyone should do this and I think that it's quite a specialist subject and we need to take great care it's like having a gun right you've got to make sure that you know how to use it and that you're a responsible person Interesting. So I was going to say, let's tell listeners a little bit about yourself. That's a great start. So you specialize in the protection field, but like how long have you been working with dogs? What got you into this, et cetera, et cetera? So I specialize in pet aggression. So that means that people have got nice pet dogs that have gone wrong. Something's gone wrong along the line. I have dabbled in protection work. And then recently in the last couple of years, I, the Malis, the Belgian Malinois have been on the increase probably in america you know because of tiktok and because of instagram we have this this big fan base now of pet people thinking well they're great they climb trees they're really athletic they're brave let's get one of those they look like fun and the reality of living with a dog like that is very different i think someone described them as an adhd child with a gun that never stops and they yeah the energy is very different it's not like you can pick them up for 10 minutes and put them down they want to go all the time I think this is one of the, so I grew up with dogs. We raised dogs, as I mentioned before the show. And everybody asks me why I don't have a dog now. I have cats. And the reason I don't have a dog now is because I travel and my wife travels. 
And I don't think it's fair to have a dog kettled up, traded up, whatever, all the time, because having a dog is such a responsibility. It's, it is like having a kid and people think, oh, that one's fluffy. And it's going to sit in the corner like a stuffed animal when it's clearly like a living organism you have to take care of. Yeah. And people, so some things that go wrong, a really big one for me is they don't give them enough sleep. So dogs need 18 to 20 hours of sleep a day, whereas a human needs eight hours to function correctly. So if you're not giving them proper sleep, they can be overtired. You know, like kids, they can get hyperactive because they're overtired. Yeah. So they need appropriate downtime. They need a place where they're not going to get interrupted by the kids falling over them and doors closing. And when my dogs are sleeping, I kind of treat them like I'm living in the house of humans that are doing night shifts. I'm quiet. I'm aware that they need proper sleep. And then when up, they're up for six hours. I'm not going to leave them to their own devices. I've got to do stuff with them. So we right. walking training we do some sort of activity that keeps their brain and their body connected and active otherwise they're going to find things this is what i find with owners they leave the dog to their own devices and the dog finds its own dog that makes total sense to me the reason why we brought you on the show and why i'm so excited is as we talked about before but for the listeners who didn't hear the part we didn't record is when i'm doing my self-defense presentations on the proactive side one of the things i talk about is the six major myths in self-defense i think that's going to be an episode coming out later everybody so feel free to wait for that but one of the things when i was running a gym here in edmonton and when i talk to people on the road is people outsourcing their safety to dogs Right. They decide, hey, we have this dog. And because I have this dog, it's big. I don't need to worry about self-protection because this dog will protect me in a fight situation. And for years, I've been saying, I don't know if that's really true. Like dogs need training like people and they have self-preservation instincts. But I'm not an expert in the field. So I, being a sneaky guy, brought in an expert in the field to prove the point. So let's first talk about dogs' natural protective instincts. Like I get it. So I buy a big dog. Is that dog going to instantaneously bite and protect me and my family? No. Most of the work that I do actually is because people have assumed that the dog's going to be a guard dog, but they haven't mm -hmm. done any of the groundwork to have that. So in protection, you have, generally speaking, you've got two areas of protection. You've got defense and prey driven. Okay. So a dog that's in defense is a dog that's being threatened, and that's how he's going to react under threat prey driven is a dog that's super excited and going i want to bite that that's like prey drive right yeah so i'll give you a great example i had two mallies come in last year one of which is lying on the floor next to me um, and they were both rescue dogs so they, they were given to me by their owners who were struggling with their behavior the female was really sharp she'd bitten everybody who she'd never bitten her owner the female owner but she bit everybody who'd come into the house or anyone who so much as tried to hug the owner. But you could say she was naturally protecting or guarding. The woman had no control over this dog. So when she was, she attacked a deer, for example, she said to me she was eating the deer, the deer was screaming and she couldn't get the dog off because the dog was growling at her. And so she had to watch this dog, right? Horrific. Right. So when I got the dog, the dog warden phoned me and said, you keep this dog or you put this dog down. So I worked with her for a year and she came really nice. And then this male came in and this boy that I've got, he was a year old. I got a protection guy to come in who's trained. It's called being a helper. So they put their big suit on suit, and he came and threatened me. So this is a practice session of someone threatening me. Right. And the idea is to see what the dog's what the dog's going to do naturally. What's his brain going to do? So you've got the disposition of the dog, you've got the training of what's happened to the dog, the history of, of um, that reinforcement, that learning. On the female, 
So the idea is the guy attacks me or comes at me in a scary way. I've got the dogs on a lead one at a time. And then he throws the sleeve away. So the dog's supposed to go, yay, I'm going to grab that sleeve and shake it. And the male, he runs after the sleeve. He barks at the man, like, you're scary. And then he runs after the sleeve and he picks it up and, and shakes it. The female ignores the sleeve and says, I'm having that guy. He's threatening. So that would be a dog that's an example of defense. So I'm feeling threatened. I'm going to have you. And prey driven. Woohoo, I'm going to chase that thing. That's fun. And so for sport, we want the prey drive side because that's where more confidence is that the dog's not feeling under threat and better choices. Same as us, right? If you're feeling threatened and you haven't been practicing in that, my best example is like in the Marines, they train under pressure, under stress, so they can still think. Does that make sense? Yes. Whereas most of us, if we're put in a stress situation we've not practiced for, we're probably going to revert to fight or flight. We're not going to know until that moment. And for me, I want to know. So I've been through, I went to the Naval Reserve when I was younger. I've been to that training because I want to know what I'm going to do when it counts. Mm. And I'm sure you guys and your viewers, they'll know because they've all put themselves in that position where they felt threatened. And you practice and you get better at dealing with those emotions. So you don't just go... You don't get carried away with your emotions. You can actually be logical and still use rational. So what I'm hearing is it's the same for dogs. And I think that's really important because this outsourcing thought process of, oh, my dog's just going to naturally protect me. This is what I've been trying to hammer into people's heads is, like you said, right? There's defense and there's prey-driven. We use that when we talk about human violence or social violence, the big ego, what's up, bro? And then there's predatory violence. I'm trying to gain something from this person. Okay. And with dogs and with the thought process is that because when a dog is loud and barking, they're naturally going to attack. I think that's what people think is, oh, because if somebody comes near me, my dog barks. That's just like some guy across the street yelling, hey, I wouldn't fight you either. I'm way over here. But when somebody comes in it, the pressure actually happens, the dog might back down. So what is the difference between like the behaviors in the defensive versus the prey driven? And is in the defensive side, and again, without training, like how likely is a dog to fully commit to a bike? So I know there's different levels of bites, right? There's nips and there's warnings and there's et cetera. So yeah. if I had an untrained dog, what do you believe the likelihood of them actually jumping in and physically protecting somebody is? Or is it totally dependent on the dog? I think you've got breed as well, taken into consideration. Okay. So there was a really interesting study done by a group of protection trainers in the States, actually. I watched it about five years ago or so. And they went into about 20 houses with German shepherds because these German shepherds owners always assume that my dog's going to protect my property. And yes. I think there's only two of them that actually did anything. So they set up the guy in the suit. They went in to pretend to rob the place. And then they did another one. So that's only two dogs that actually bit out of 20. The rest were, as soon as any pressure was applied, they ran away, tail between their legs. And the other one was mixed breeds. It wasn't just German Shepherds. And the only one to actually protect the owner was the terrier. So that was quite interesting as well. The terrier of the old lady, she he didn't run away. Right. <laughs> the answer is, we don't know. If you haven't trained your dog and you don't have that base control, you don't know what it's going to be like. And most of the dogs that I work with, they will they've bitten and it's more of control biting sorry what i mean by that is like the dog's resource guarding so he's this is my thing but when faced with especially german shepherds you get a lot of german shepherds who around about seven to eight months they will revert to natural instinct which is i'm going to start barking at strangers i'm quite anxious i'm looking around 
And the anxiety, actually, that, that innate anxiety they've got, we need to build confidence. I'm sure you find this with, with people that you're teaching and whether it's students or teachers that you're that are clients of yours. There's an internal confidence that we need to have yeah. to keep our head and to do the most damage. And if you're working with an anxious individual, you don't want to give them power. You don't want to give them responsibility. You want to make sure that you build the confidence up from the grassroots. Does that make sense? hundred percent. It does. That's actually part of our training model is the first part is called permissions. Allow yourself to be able to do things in bad situations, right? Have the confidence and know you're worth defending, et cetera. I think this is a really important. I'm so excited. We're having this conversation. I think this is a really important thing to point out, right? Is that just because the dog is barking and getting in between you and somebody doesn't mean the dog is going to stay and physically protect that person. Right. Because yeah. it's just, again, a, it, dogs and people are very similar in lots of ways, right? You can train dogs and people actually very similar, it seems like, to me. With this, it's just having that big, tough uh, guy who's like, don't mess with me, but the second he gets punched, he backs down because he thought that bark or that threat was going to stop it. Why do people think that just because a dog is barking, that dog is instantly going to attack? I guess you, there's that phrase, isn't there, that there's barks bigger than his bite. Because, right. Yeah, because they're naturally going to bark at things that are scary or new, but that doesn't mean the dog's got confidence to back it up. Mm. And as we discussed, you have you take a dog along to a protection school and then the trainers want to find out where's that coming from? Is it a confidence or is it scared and I don't know how to handle this? And that's the dogs that you've got to put a lot of work into because... That's the bit that you don't have the control over, right? Even like a bite in a run. I might bite the burglar, but I might be run out of there afterwards. That's not really protection, is it? That's I'm feeling threatened. I'm feeling cornered. I'll act scary, but I'm not actually going to be. A lot of these owners who will say my dog will protect me, I find most of them, actually probably all of them, will have no control or no general obedience. The right. ones that are know their dog will, I know my dog will. I don't have to boast about it. Yeah. I don't have to boast about it because I've trained him and I know what right. he's capable of. And I also know that I've got exceptional management and I know what I have in the dog. So I can confidently not shout about how I've got this dog that can do things. And nobody would ever guess. When I walk him out and about, he is the friendliest guy. Sure. He's confident, self-confident. He's friendly to everybody. He loves everybody. And yet I could say a word and he's going to be barking at that person and threatening them. Yeah. And if they, I sleep with my door, my back door open, I've got a litter of puppies I'm raising for therapy work just now, which is like the opposite end of the scale. We want yeah, dose. Yeah. And we, we can talk about genetics in a minute because that's really interesting when it comes to breed. And people are really, especially in the States, and it's coming more here with pit bulls, and people have got this really mixed divide on friendliness versus aggression. And they don't really understand the genetics. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, the dog. The dog that we can be sure of and confident in has got a level of training so we know the dog and how he's going to cope in different situations. I really liked your division between confident and scared. And again, because I train people, not animals, but people are animals. There's, there's the, This is the same thing we talk about, right? Yeah, you can have that scared energy and put up that big bark. Nothing's going to happen. I also like you mentioning that a dog might bite and leave. This is... so. What I'm hearing. That's, most, that's the most common, right? So I'm right. going to bite and I'm going to run. So that's owners being attacked, dog bites, barks and runs, might not come back and help the person that's being attacked. Oh, no. That's very common. I think that there's the, which is why you've, we've, you've got me on here, because you assume yes. and people assume that our dog's going to protect us naturally because that's what they do. They actually weren't originally, if we're going historically, dogs were bred for helping us hunt initially and then herding and then guarding and guarding is for me 
the biggest thing is deterrent. Make yourself big, make yourself mm-hmm. loud, bite if you need to, but you know, proper guard dog needs a lot of work. I mean, to be trained how to do that, how to have self-confidence. Exactly the same with people, right? It needs yes. a lot of yeah. I just I just this is perfect. This exact conversation I want to have. It's going the director, exact direction I wanted. I think that's one of the you talk about dog breed. There's so much stuff I'm have I'm writing down here because I want to talk about all this stuff. I'm very excited about this. You mentioned German German Shepherds, that's what we raised. And then now pit bulls tend to be the new like every it seems like every generation there's a murder dog, right? It was Rottweilers, it was German Shepherds, now it's pit bulls, right? And so people <laughs> assume that their pit bull is going to help them. Now Outside of background, because I also want to talk about like rescue dogs and the difference between protection of a rescue dog and a dog that didn't come from a bad environment. But are pit bulls naturally more aggressive? What are your thoughts on the American pit bull? So, well, we've got this influx now of these XL bullies that have come directly from you guys. Right. And it's a huge controversial thing. And whenever I post anything, we've had 15 people die in the last year here. And just for perspective... In the 1980s, over 15 years, we had 10 people die in 15 years. And we changed the law to ban pit bulls and another list of dogs. It's like five or six breeds that we banned because over 15 years, 10 people died. So in one year, we had 15 people die. And we know the breed legislation doesn't work. And it was actually set up for people that were using these dogs as, you know, the bad guys, using these dogs against police, protect their drugs or whatever they were up to. And you're absolutely right. We've had Rottweilers that were used. We've had Staffordshire Bull Terriers and whatever. I call them the Chav dog. And Mallies are starting to from Shepherds, although they're a bit, they're quite intelligent. And to be fair, the bullies are too. And the problem we've got just now is that they're not able to physically control them. They have them in harnesses. So they don't get walked. So they build up the frustration. Mm. So I think that if you did the same thing to most breeds, they would turn the same way. But the power, the sheer power and the size of them means that your average person can't control them when it goes wrong. So when a chihuahua goes wrong, it's easy just to pick this chihuahua up. But when it goes wrong with a dog that's 12 stone, we had a... We had one at the class last year, into last summer, and he was only 10 months old and already almost as heavy as me. And he was just friendly, but he got away from me and I grabbed the lead to put him on him. And I I felt his power against me. And I was like, wow, okay. I used to train horses and we wrestled problem horses. And this is a different kind of energy, this intention, this muscle. It's just, unless you felt it, it's phenomenal. It's not so much about the breed. It's about, uh, it is about the breed, but it's not so much about the breed. It's about the way that they're raised. And, I, and what is a bad home? So a bad home is one that isn't able to exercise, isn't able to meet its needs. And I talk often on my podcast and my Facebook about breed specific needs. So every single breed has been obviously bred for a different purpose. Otherwise, we wouldn't have them. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the problems that we have is Hollywood has made us believe and Disney has made us believe that dogs are naturally going to get Timmy out of the well and somehow have this altruism towards humans that's out of this world. And when you get to know dogs, you realize they have their own agenda and they just want to have fun. Yeah. And so if we're not providing fun, then we're going to find what provides that fun based on their breed. So a German Shepherd's natural ability to be a guard dog means he's naturally anxious and looking around himself and what's going on. And anything that's different, he will mm-hmm. react to. I'll bark at that because that's new today. What's that? Why has that been there today? And your terriers are going to be like, oh, that moved. Can I chase it? So every breed's going to have a different thing. And if we're not meeting that need, then they're going to find a way to do that. Well, it makes sense, right? If you... We're going to kids because more people relate to humans than animals in some cases, right? If you don't 
if your kid's going to find something to do, whether you give it something productive or not, right? Say the dog, this energy is going to go somewhere and it's going to go to its instincts. I like how you talked about how, I guess it's like the Lassie effect, right? Everybody watched Lassie and now they think that dogs are going to naturally, Littlest Hobo was a Canadian show where there was a German shepherd that was going around saving people, very similar to Lassie. And it's, uh, we have it in our, almost in the zeitgeist of our culture is that, oh, dogs are naturally going to protect. And the, this is the point of the conversation. And the hill that I've been climbing is people not understanding, like, just because you get a pit bull, doesn't mean that pit bull is going to instantaneously react in a way you want it to react. Also, like you mentioned, they're big, powerful animals. My friend has two pit bulls. They both think they're lap dogs. They're huge, monstery dogs. So cute. They get on you. I'm like, I can't even, I'm a strong guy. Trying to get them off my lap is tough, let alone try to control them when they're enraged. I really like that you pointed out that it's the dog breed does make a difference, but also it's the people that get them. And this is the thing I talk about pit bulls is pit bulls aren't bad dogs, but bad people sure like pit bulls and they'll train them to do bad things. Yeah. And they also seem to, the ones I observe, you can't help but just watch. And he's got this big giant breed and he's exhale bully type thing. And he's yanking it and he was angry and he was smoking. And he wasn't focused on the dog. And I could tell his energy was angry towards the dog. And I've seen other people hit them with chains and stuff. And, and these are the ones that are walking them and taking them out. These are the good guys. And they wonder why the dog, and the big one for me is just now, we've, and it's not just bullies and your pit bulls. Um, there's a lot of breeds that I work with that are turning on their owners. Now, we're all, we all seem to be okay with this. And it's such an unusual thing. Dogs predominantly are docile to people and especially their own people. Right. So I can cope with dogs biting random people. and But in the property, biting children who live with them and biting their owners, what's going wrong? We're not mm. understanding the fundamentals of, of a dog. And, you know, when you say the pit bulls are up in your face and on your lap and stuff, when I, what I've done is, is quite unusual. I'm a behaviorist as well as a dog trainer. And just for people who don't understand the difference, dog training is, is for me like training specific behaviors and learning how to teach a dog a specific task for example and behavior delves more into the science of why they're doing what they're doing what's a natural behavior to a dog how do we keep a dog its happiest and problem solving when it goes wrong yeah for me the the bully problem is yes that we call them chavs here like yeah i don't know what they're called in america the they're cheap dogs they're uh, easily got there's plenty of them and the prices have certainly dropped now because everyone's got them here. So they can't get rid of the puppies now. Right. They didn't see that coming. They're all bred them because they thought they could make money. And of course, the rescue centers become inundated with them. And one of the problems is that they're not thinking about. So because they're thinking about the size of them and the look of the dog, they're not thinking about behavior and what the parents were like, the genetic lineage. Right. And so for us to have a sane dog, regardless of breed, we want to make sure that the parents are of sound manner and temperament as well as health and then that's going to be passed on to the puppies so you've got undesirable people breeding them for money you've got unknown heritage probably aggressive parents and you're passing all that on to the puppies and then you've got unsuspecting people who just go i just want a nice puppy and they're gorgeous as puppies yeah but we have a change when they hit puberty you've got testosterone coming in you've got a change in their thinking and if they're not socialized then of course we start to avoid going places and then it keeps the cycle going it's just a nightmare oh yeah i, I agree and that's the thing right is people shop for their pets like they're an accessory oh i like how that looks you're like that's the weirdest that's such a weird way to pick a living creature i don't know what that but again threw up in the space so it just it drives me crazy 
I think going forward with this conversation, let's talk about dogs that have that come from like an abusive past. Are those dogs more likely to protect somebody because they come from a place of stress or are they more a wild card or, and again, can we not predict that? They're less likely to. I think they're going to more likely to be self-preserved. Their experiences are going to make them go, well, how do I survive? How do I live? And same with people that have been through traumatic events. What do I need to do to get through this? Mm -hmm. So if I want a protection dog, I want one that's, I certainly wouldn't be wanting a rescue. I'd be wanting one that's come from a good breeder, that's Mm -hmm. had a great start, fantastic parents. And they do exist, but they cost a lot of money. (laughs) Right. Um, But um, that's why they cost the money, right? Is the proof of parent and breeding and environment. Yeah. I mean, that there's, you can look into the IGP and the protection sports worldwide. There's lots of different types of different countries have got different sports. But I pretty much bet none of them will be rescue dogs that are competing and winning world champions. They're going to be really well bred, really well brought up, fantastic parents. And people that know what they're doing, not novices that go, oh, if I buy this dog, it's going to be, it's going to be a great tool for me to have. I'm going to use the gun analogy again. If a random person goes to buy a gun, that doesn't mean they're going to manage to protect themselves with it. They might shoot themselves in the foot, right? So people are always getting shot by their children over in America. We don't have guns here. We're not allowed them unless they have a license, which makes sense, right? So you make sure you you know how to shoot a gun. You make sure that there's a reason for having it. And you're not just going to keep it in your pocket behind the driver's seat and the kid's going to shoot you in the back. I've heard that happened in America. Yeah, you make sure that you're responsible with it and that you know how to use your gun. I love that. I think it's a perfect analogy. I'm up in Canada. I'm Canadian. And of course, our neighbors are, they have gun issues. And I think I love that analogy. Is It's like training with the weapon. We say the same thing. It's another one of the things people outsource, right? Oh, I'll just buy a gun and I don't have to worry about it. Can you pull your gun out when you're out of breath? Can you get it when somebody's trying to wrestle you? Can you, right? It's this talisman mentality of, if I just do this one thing, I don't have to worry about my personal safety. And they do with dogs, they do with guns. So I think you're, it's like we've talked before. Your, our thought processes are very similar and I love it. If I was, so let's go to the side of this now where dogs are great for a lot of reasons for personal protection, deterrence. Most people would take a punch over a bite any day of the week. And so having a big, large dog with no training is great for deterrence, for sure. There's people yep. that are going to walk away. A lot of people say they have like dog privilege and go running at night because their dog's like a small horse or whatever. If I was so like, Other than deterrence, if I really wanted my dog to protect me, what would be like right from the get go? What would you suggest somebody does? Go to a good breeder. If you've already got the dog, find a club that you can start doing some training with. Absolutely good fundamental obedience. So everybody, and you're going to have this analogy too, right? So everybody wants a dog that can do fancy stuff. Right. Like from martial arts or any anything that requires a discipline, the people that are no longer novices have been doing it for a long time. What they do instead of doing the fancy stuff is get really good at the basic stuff. Yeah. So basic maneuvers. Can your dog lie down over there and stay for five minutes? Dead simple, but requires quite a bit of input. Can your dog bark on command? Can he stay put? Can he do a sit down stand all day long, inside out? Lots and lots of practice, lots of time being put into the dog with your basic stuff so yeah then joining a club so you know what you're you know what to do and also so that you can test the dog because somebody there will have the ability to put your dog through its paces and see what kind of personality because sometimes we think 
something, but actually the trainer says, well, someone will bring their dog along and I like, I don't see that in your dog. I see something yeah. else. But yeah, absolutely. Get help from someone who knows what to do, who's done it before and who can tell you what kind of dog you have. And then bear in mind that if you train a protection dog, I sometimes let the ball drop. I'm really good at management. Recently, I went away on holiday and I hugged my dad goodbye because I'm going away for a week, right? Yeah. And my dog is in the car with the car door open and he came forward and growled. Didn't do anything else, but he growled. And I went, forgot myself for that second, right? Now he didn't right. look and he's not likely to unless he was given a command to, but that from the dog's perspective is a perceived threat to me. Right. So if you have a protection dog, you need to be super careful because your dog is going to be looking out for you and perceived threats to you it's not like a pet you can't just have your pet dog suddenly going to know what danger is he needs to know when to go not not just when he decides hang on a second someone's someone's giving you close attention there what's going on so <laughs> we have to keep our wits about us as well and yeah I think people forget that that when you have that it's the dog shouldn't be making decisions um, it should be you coming from you right so just having a general control over your dog is super important. I think that's what people forget too, right? Is, oh yeah, my dog doesn't listen to me anywhere, but if it gets dangerous, they'll protect me. They're not even respecting you in the house. What are you talking about? They're going to jump in and protect you. I think I want to point out what you just said there with through my own lens, as always. My dad, like I said, used to train dogs, was part of a dog club. And I remember we used to have these hyper-trained German Shepherds. And then when he retired, he got a Rottweiler and that dog was the, like the least obedient dog on the planet. I'm like, what, what is going on? Like you trained all these dogs. And he said, like, this dog is my pet. Cause I want to, I don't want to overtrain this dog. I want a fun, dumb dog. I could take on walks and cuddle with. And I was like, I never heard that before. If you train a dog to do the work, they're going to be constantly doing the work. It's not like you could be like, okay, today you're murder pup and tomorrow you're cuddle pup and switch a slight switch. There is going to be some turbulence in that transition is that correct yeah and that's really interesting that your dad did that because i think yeah he probably understands that when you've got a german shepherd trained to that level you've got it you've got to be on all the time yes. so you've got to keep your wits about you and if you just want a nice dog that can be a pet and people can say hi to and stuff then you have a nice pet so it's difficult to have both unless it's all your whole life yeah so i think that's a great a great example of someone who's understanding the, the level of seriousness and intensity of a working dog. Yes. And that's the term that that's what we're looking for is working dog, right? Is everybody assumes that their the regular pet is also going to double as a working dog. And it's just, it's different temperaments, it's different training, etc. So starting with breed, then a trainer in a club. Now, are there certain like red flags look for in dogs? Because I really liked your sometimes is confident, sometimes scared. And if I'm untrained in dog behavior those could look the same to me it's, oh yeah a person's it's barking we must be tough right like how do we see the differences between the two gosh that is a good question i'm trying to think from the layman's perspective now because yes, i can please. see all day long i guess there's a noise difference so a dog that would be i'd be like oh there's going to be a different noise coming from the throat and he's going to be like a dog that was defensive would be coming forward but also back so i'm barking but also not very confident whereas a really confident dog is going to come forward and go i'm going to keep threatening you so right. there's going to be yeah that slight difference in body language 
I think that what I do when I'm working with donors, I have the opposite problem. I have a problem people don't want their dog to be aggressive. So they come right. to me and they say, I bought this lovely German Shepherd I want as a cuddle pup. And now it's barking at people. And right. that normally happens. That innate behavior comes out around about puberty. And so it's got to the point now, I've been doing this 20 years as well. And it's got to the point where when you tell me your breeding age, I could tell you what the problem is because you've got innate behavior. That's your fixed action or the brain goes, this is what we're going to do. And then we've got learned behavior. So if you've not got a lot of learning and teaching, the dog's going to go towards what his instinct is. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Yes. My work mostly is about helping dogs not be threatening and not be barking because I know it comes from a place of insecurity. So the things that go wrong is that these owners tend to be, especially nowadays, you know, the fur baby brigade and, and everyone's like treating them like a family member. And that's such a difficult subject to talk about because my dogs are my family members. I don't have children. They are my they are my kids. But actually I'm meeting their needs as dogs. And I think that the problem is when we treat them like old people. Mm. A big one for me just now, I'm finding, I'm sure it's always been this way, but I'm realizing it's like this epiphany is that people don't want to be, first of all, the puppies don't like the crate. And so people don't like saying no or have, are being tough. So they go, oh, the dog doesn't like it. It's whining. I'm just going to open the crate and it can choose to go in and out. So the dog right. already has voices and I already learned that if I scream or if I look upset or angry, you're going to let me do what I want. Yeah. And we know that this causes major behavioral problem in children when we constantly let them have what they want. Yeah. And dogs too, very quickly. So the second thing that happens is the puppy grows into an adult very quickly. So you've got puberty hits from about six months in your average dog, six months. So you've got 12 years to screw up a kid and only a few months in a dog. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> really quickly. And so I often get phone calls, my 18 month old Rottweiler puppy. And I'm like, 18 month old puppy, what now? And it's no longer a puppy for me from six months because you've got major changes happening physically in the body and with the brain too. We're not seeing that we should be expecting more with higher expectations from your puppy as it changes, but all your groundwork in early. And then making sure that we have boundaries in place, emotional and physical ones. So yeah, one of the problems that I have now is that visitors, so visitors are getting bitten all the time. And I'm like, okay, I don't understand. If you came to my house, you wouldn't have to see a dog. They'd be crated or they'd be baby gated away. And it's my house, but people feel guilty. And I'm like, oh, but the dog will resent it if it doesn't get access to people why maybe it's stressful for the dog to have visitors come around what's wrong with just putting the dog away you can imagine 50 years ago we had dogs on chains in the back garden or in kennels right and now we're living in the kennel because they run they run the house and i don't understand why we've put so much pressure on the dog and then if it wants a cuddle it can clamber up into your lap and have attention on tap whenever it feels like it and again that's pressure everything we do is about giving the dog decision making abilities so the dog then goes maybe i'm somebody who should be guarding this or i should and these dogs aren't prepared for that responsibility that leads to stress and i've had a lot of conversations with vets recently because cancer in dogs is on the increase the lifespan of dogs is on the decrease and in the western world we have access to great food and great diet why are we killing our dogs so young and the right. big one is addison's disease so we have adrenal failure adrenal gland fatigue where the adrenal gland which is responsible for all your stress hormones is like out of this world the dogs i'm so stressed that my body is going to start to shut down immune system problems and so on. So we have real evidence that we're causing problems with our Western dogs and we're not relating it to how much responsibility we're putting on the dog. Interesting. All right. So we're just about the end of the free show here. So I want to wrap this up and I just want to like summarize this. So great conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show. 
I think what I really want to encapsulate here is it sounds like that the view that people have of dogs, whether it's your Lassie or whether it's your John Wick or whatever dog fantasy you have of these puppies, people think that they're totally separate from people. But to everything you've said, they're more similar to people and training people and talking to people than they are not similar in you have to give them activities, you have to show boundaries, you have to have some kind of a control over them in a way that they're going to learn and grow properly. And just to reiterate the point at the point of the podcast is just believing a dog that you buy just because it barks is going to protect you is not a great strategy, correct? Yeah. They need to be trained for protection. Yes, they need to do some kind of trade, just like people do. Some people can fight naturally, and some people have to learn how to get in the ring and get, and it's all different between people. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Jessica, why don't you do your promo train now? Tell the listeners where they can find you, social media, podcasts, et cetera. Yeah, so I am Dundee Dog Training on Facebook and on Instagram, and we are Therapy Tales on Spotify or all the rest of the places that you can get the podcasts. So I work with a human therapist and behaviorist, and we cover the similarities and differences between dogs and human brains. Super cool. Yeah. Very interesting. People, check that show out. I'm going to check it out right after this. I'm going to download some episodes. <laughs> that sounds super awesome. And again, Jessica, thank you for being on the show. It was so hard to find somebody to have this conversation with. As of course, with me, as always, if you want to bring me into your workplace, your group or your country or whatever you want, randykinglive.com is all the information you need. Join us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash randykinglive. I have a few more questions for Jessica that I want to put there behind the paywall. And one of them is going to be the best breeds to be protection dogs. So if you're interested in that, she probably says it for free on her show, but give me the five bucks and come over on my show anyways. We'll talk to you all next week.